It's Thursday, January 20th, and you have downloaded or are watching live Real Talk. We're thrilled to have you here. You know, just yesterday I popped in to Bitcoin well on Edmonton's south side on the famed White Avenue, the beautiful area that is Old Strathcona. I had a question about Bitcoin, and so I asked Benny. At Bitcoin, well, Benny's uh, one of the contacts. They're the sort of the front-facing staffers that, well, he's got this sort of smile. He's He's got this calmness around him, and he, he sort of has this knowing nod as he hears you get into your questions, and then he'll always smile at me. And, and he has that look, Sam. His eyes say, there are no dumb questions. Benny's answered all the questions a whole bunch of times. That's always a free part of the service. If you have questions about Bitcoin, you want to know more about it before you make any sort of a commitment, whether it's a $10 buy or or whether this is your next big thing, you can find them for in-person or online interactions under the Sponsors tab on our website, ryanjesperson.com. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. This show is for the kids. That's right. We're going to be talking to Trisha Estabrooks in just a second. She's the uh, chair of the Edmonton's Public School Board. We're going to be talking to Dr. Tyler Black. We've rebooked him. Thrilled to have him coming on the show. A child and adolescent psychiatrist. We want to talk about the impacts of COVID-19 on kids. We know that this is an ongoing conversation, but that's a good thing. Obviously, because things change and things evolve. And this is what you might call a developing or an active situation. And so we want to get some great perspective for the parents, the grandparents, the caregivers, the engaged citizens, the young people that are members of this listening audience. We'll talk about post-secondary for a little bit, too. And then uh, later in the show, coming up in about 40 minutes from now, Canadian fitness icons, Hal Johnson and Joanne McLeod. Very much looking forward to that conversation. Speaking of getting active, before we go any further, I want to let you know we've still got room for a couple of teams uh, the inaugural real talk pond hockey classic that's coming up saturday january 29th at larry alexiak field in st albert we're super excited to be presenting this a festival of pond hockey presented by our friends at molson canadian we're going to raise tens of thousands of dollars for worthy charities in the metro edmonton and st albert region including camp warwa uncles and aunts at large kids sport the special olympics it is a festival of hockey it is a festival of canadiana the video that you're seeing if you're checking this out on youtube right now was shot in 2019 before we were body slammed by the pandemic we will be observing all of the provincial health restrictions the restrictions exemption program we're going to be checking qr codes we're going to be limiting access to a heated uh beer garden of course all of that fueled by molson canadian and of course we're going to have a ton of people out there filling their lungs with fresh air and celebrating the great canadian tradition that is pond hockey it's saturday january 29th as mentioned we still have room for a couple of teams before the rosters fill it's 500 bucks for a team of five with all proceeds going to charity it is the inaugural this is the first time we're title sponsoring it real talk pond hockey classic we're doing it in partnership with the canadian progress club and i'm really looking forward to seeing you all there Let's get to this talk about schools. You know that uh, for the most part, Alberta students went back to class on Monday, January 
10th. Uh, it was Monday, January 17th, just a few days ago when Ontario followed suit. And of course, it's it's been a big deal for a lot of families and it's having big implications on classrooms with get this number uh, 900 plus teachers absent from classrooms in Alberta as Omicron as that variant continues to spread. Uh, Trisha Estabrooks, of course, keeping an eye on this, working on this file every single day as the chair of Edmonton's public school board kind enough to join us this morning. It's nice to see you again. I haven't seen you since the first. So a happy new year to you. Yeah. Happy new year to you too, Ryan. Always really great to be on your show. Thanks for having me on. Has your heart been in your throat for the last, <laughs> I mean, well, two years, but for the last few weeks. Oh, you know, like, as you know, Ryan, you know, I'm a mom of two kids who go to Edmonton public and, uh, yeah, it's, it's tough. It's, it's a tough time to be a parent. Uh, it's tough time to be a school board trustee. Um, you know, every day I, like many parents across the city, check out Edmonton public's, uh, COVID tracker, we're calling it on epsb.ca to see the self-reported cases of COVID in our in our schools and to track the absences. And, um, you know, every day I look and every day we continue to see that um, absenteeism rate, both in our students and in our staff, just continue to tick up. So, yeah, it's, it's again, really tough in our schools right now. Um, and I would say we're, we're hanging on and appreciate um, the patience and also the just enormous gratitude to staff who every day, including our supply staff, are showing up for kids. How are you? Uh, that that statistic, I almost wondered if it was a typo, uh, more than 900 teachers absent from the classroom right now, just in Edmonton's public school system. How many teachers are there total? Like what percentage is this? Uh, the number I have actually from yesterday is more, it would be 619. Yeah, I guess the, yeah, you're right. Yeah, the math's right. 619 teachers absent yesterday, 309 educational assistants. Oh, I see. And okay. Yeah. So that's the total number. And so like, Teachers are getting sick, right? Like, as we know, schools reflect what's happening in our city and what's happening yeah. in our society. So we expected this was going to happen. Um, we expect it to continue to happen. As I mentioned, you know, 619 teachers absent yesterday. Uh, I expect that number to uh, increase today. Tricia, what are you, how, many, how many teachers, sorry to interrupt you, but how many teachers yeah. are there? Like 3,000 off the top of my head? Uh, no, more than that. There'd be about, I want to say five, 6,000 teachers. 6,000. So you've got like 10, you've got 10, 15% out of the classroom right now. What, what does substitute teacher coverage and availability look like? We have an amazing pool of substitute teachers, like well over 2000 subs that we can tap into, but you can imagine there's substitute teachers on our roster who aren't willing to take work right now. And I get it. Right. No fault of their own. And so that's one of the key numbers that I know our administration is looking at. So yesterday, for example, 619 teachers sick with COVID, sick with another illness. They couldn't come in and be in front of their kids yesterday. We had 97 unfilled jobs. And so that means that there were 97 teachers in our division that couldn't show up for work because they were sick or they were away. And so you can imagine a school where you're missing uh, potentially one, two, half your staff, 
that creates chaos in the school because all of a sudden the assistant principal needs to step in or you need to shift someone else to cover a class. And so that's one of the critical numbers that our administration is paying attention to because if we don't have sufficient numbers of teachers, and I'll mention EAs if you'll let me, Ryan, just quickly, 181 unfilled EA jobs yesterday. Like behind every EA is a kid or a couple of kids who need that support for their learning. And so it is significant that we're continuing to see these staffing shortages. And I and I mentioned this, but I also wanna give a huge out to the supply staff that are showing up and are able to work. We need you and we appreciate you right now, because as I said, you can't run a school if you're down on staffing in a significant way. So mm. this is a this is something that we're watching very very closely in, in life and on the, uh, the COVID file. <clears throat> there are things that I'm like black and white on, yeah. and there are more things that I'm gray on. And I'm certainly gray <laughs> on kids going back to school. And if I had to choose black or white on it, I'd probably more move toward trying to get kids back in the classroom. To be honest with you, I think that there's a lot of benefits there. But the point I want to make quickly before I hand the mic to you, Trisha, is that I don't think that there's one right answer to be prescribed to every family, to be prescribed to every school. And, and I think, quite frankly, it's a little bit insensitive and maybe even a little bit naive to suggest that the same family needs to follow the same formula all the time. But there will be people that are keeping an eye on this saying, listen, it seems to me like we're in a rush to get kids back to school. Everybody's getting sick. Teachers are getting sick. It's forcing everybody back home. And then everybody's now back home and half of them are sick. So would it have just been smarter to stay home through this wave first anyway? I mean, obviously, this is up for debate. Obviously, people will have different opinions on it. Where do you land on that? Oh, it's like a it's a gray area for me too, Ryan, to be completely honest with you. Both my kids are back to in-person learning. You know, we know that kids have sacrificed so, so much, you know, and we also know that in-person learning is the best place for kids to learn. It was interesting to me. So Edmonton Public is still continuing to offer this choice to families. So for the second half of the year, families could pick whether they want their child to learn online or in person. And I, to be honest, I thought we'd see a huge spike and an increase of parents who wanted their children to learn online. And it was just a small, you know, one and a half percent increase. Five percent of families learned online first half of the year. Now we have six and a half percent. So families are making tough decisions. And when you look at that overall absenteeism rate, like not just COVID, but, you know, kids who are just absent as well. Yeah. To me, that says there is a lot of hesitation with parents who are saying, okay, my kid doesn't have COVID, but I'm watching the cases, the case numbers tick up in my school, and I'm going to make the choice to keep my child home. And I respect that choice 100%. There's a lot of nervousness out there. Yeah. And, um, I'm surprised I get to hear it. that it's only and 5 I don't know. 6%. I mean, Yeah. Yeah. I was surprised by it too, quite frankly. Now it's a big commitment, right? You got to stay online until the end of June. So that might be one of the factors. It is a big commitment. It's a big commitment on, on uh, it's a big commitment on both sides though, too, isn't it? Like it's a big commitment for the schools too. To, to, yeah. it, it takes a lot of effort and it takes a lot of administration. And I just I, I feel like I, I could do a whole show just recognizing individual teachers by name. Uh, our little guy was was learning. I mean, his his kindergarten was online. His kindergarten experience was online. And I would watch this yeah. young teacher and how she would hold court with 20 kindergarten kids. And it was 
unbelievable to keep 25 year olds on iPads the whole day and participating. And, and she just very gently being like, you know, Jerry, we need you to hit your mute. Um, you know, Landon, please mute your microphone, sweetheart. And it was like watching this. But I'm going, this is I would be I'm sorry. I would be gone. <laughs> that was my oh, job. Listen, I would be gone. Like, if you didn't if you didn't have respect for teachers before, you Whoa. sure as heck do now. That's that's all I can say about that. <laughs> no kidding. So you you uh, and, and other uh, boards, I know, or certainly other advocates, at least uh, have been working on, I think, messaging to the Alberta government. Right. Maybe you can expand on this for us to to prioritize vaccinating kids and and to maybe introduce some some vaccine opportunities at schools. Am I remembering? I mean, I'm 44 now. I'm, I'm long in the tooth, as you might say. But don't I remember getting vaccinated at school? Yeah, we that's very likely what happened, Ryan. You know, can you do that uh, anymore? You can. There's a series of vaccinations that children have access to through our schools. Um, and I see you flash that up on the screen, which I appreciate. Um, so, yeah, the board of trustees, we met earlier this week and we unanimously passed and I want to be clear, it's an advocacy motion. We just can't make this happen by our own, unfortunately. We need to work with the government to make this happen. But, uh, you know, I hope the government listens. You know, I heard a press conference with Premier Kenny last week where he said the government's looking at ways to increase vaccination rates in 5 to 11 years old. Um, and that's where we're seeing, like, if you want to know the classes that are shifting online, most of them are in our elementary schools, um, which isn't surprising given the fact that most children haven't had access or haven't been able, there hasn't been enough time to get access to that second dose. And so, you know, we did pass that motion and, you know, the heart of it really is let's meet kids and families where they're at. And so if we as a school division um, can do our part and help increase vaccination rates in kids, Use our schools. Use us. We are community hubs. Make it easy for parents to take their kid and get them vaccinated. So we hope the government listens. We think this is a solution and um, look forward to hearing a response uh, from from the government of Alberta. Hmm. Uh, Shalane says, I'm frustrated hearing people say that the lack of teachers and EAs available in our district is because of the vaccine mandate. Um, I don't know where she lives Not or what true. board that is. I'm yeah, sorry. I just want to like, with all due respect. Not small, true. small, small percentage of our staff are not adhering to our vaccination policy. And to be clear, the policy, you get vaccinated or you do the testing regime, right? right. So, yeah, the, you, let's not conflate the two here. Like, how, how no. many how many do you know what percentage of teachers are currently working in the system that are not vaccinated, but that are adhering to the testing regime? I do not know. It would be a very, very small percentage, though, right? Is, is it like five teachers or like 150 teachers? No, oh, it's like a handful. OK, yeah. Um, uh, in closing, we're going to be talking. I, I'm looking forward to this conversation with Dr. Tyler Black right after you at uh, child and adolescent psychiatrist. And we're going to talk about I mean, he's he's got some really interesting perspectives and, and he certainly values kids being back in class as well. Uh, a comment here from Quinn on our live chat who says my daughter just does, doesn't do well at at home learning and we do the best we can, uh, but it's not ideal. Um, we know that I try not to be doom and gloom, chicken little on this, but I have a concern as well. Vested interest. You know, we have a six-year-old and and I, I i think that maybe we see some short-term impacts of some of the stress and i wonder maybe longer term if these so-called covid kids whether it's their development uh in a number of areas or their social interactions i think kids are resilient i think they'll bounce back but we know there are impacts the kids feel uh, what's one thing that i should be sure to ask dr tyler black about 
Oh, this is a conversation I'll definitely stick around and listen to. You know, I think there's a lot about this this pandemic that we don't know the long-term impacts of. I, you know, as a parent myself, I'd be keen to hear what should we be saying to our kids right mm. now? I mean, how can we support our kids right now? How can we support the kids in our lives right now? I mean, this is a once-in-a-lifetime um, experience that we're all going through. And so how can we support each other right now? I, I know it's a really general question, but I think right now parents need some tips. Like, it's hard. Like, it's just like a grind. We've been through this now for two years. And so I think any sort of advice that your next guest can provide to parents uh, would be most welcome as we as we try to support our little ones and try to support ourselves right now, too. Yeah. You know, when I get former journalists on the show, I just get them to feed me questions. So I have to do <laughs> le- less of the work over here in studio. Uh, Trisha Estabrook's a former journalist, now the chair of the Edmonton Public School Board and, of course, a mom. Thanks for making time for us. Always good to be on. Have a great day. Yeah, you too. Good to see you. In just a second, Dr. Tyler Black, I want to quickly remind you uh, that uh, we're keeping an eye on our hashtag RealTalkRJ. That's a great way to communicate with the show while we're on the air, so to speak, live from 830 to, you know, 945-ish mountain time weekday mornings and then of course through the day as well as you check out our podcast or of course our show on our youtube channel park power is powering that hashtag real talk rj as your friendly local utilities provider they're in the business of electricity natural gas and internet you have a choice where you go why not compare rates via their website today parkpower.ca and determine if they're a good fit for you if they are they'll switch over your service you don't have to call your old provider they'll handle all the details if you have questions about whether or not their service is in your area or why they might be a good fit for you check out their frequently asked questions on their website again parkpower.ca our friends at kubi energy of course you know they present positive reflections every monday on the show you can send us the stories that have filled your bucket restored your faith in humanity send us an email to talk at ryanjesperson.com make sure you label it as a positive reflection kubi wants us to let you know they're hiring right now their spring hiring blitz is getting set to be underway and real talkers are getting the first word on the street about it they're looking for salespersons uh, both internal and external skills applicable here in this department if you've worked in sales before they'd love to hear from you plus electricians and apprentices well they're hiring on mass they're looking at hiring almost 15 people for installations they work out of edmonton and kamloops bc if you have any questions about what that job could look like what your career future could look like with kubi renewable energy check them out online today at kubienergy.ca well, this tweet from uh, Dr. Tyler Black caught my eye uh, quite some time ago, and he's going to be joining us in just a few minutes. But I wanted to show this to you to give you a sense of what we're going to be talking about. This is uh, from a few months ago. He's a child and adolescent psychiatrist, and and he noted from his account at Tyler Black 32, he says, I'm an expert in child and adolescent emergency psychiatry. This is my expert opinion. It's complex. It's not easy to answer. But basically, COVID is bad education is good and in-person schooling in a deadly pandemic is 
good and bad. And so we wanted to bring the good doctor on to talk about this. We'll be getting to him in just a second, including asking him uh, that question from Trisha Estabrooks. What should we be saying to our kids right now? And of course, we also wanted to let you know that we've got Hal Johnson and Joanne McLeod coming up on the show in about 20 minutes. The Canadian fitness icons are going to bring us up to speed on what they're doing now and what keeping fit and having fun looks like into your 60s. So it's it's a day talking about our fellow human beings from the young into those at an advanced age. And of course, we're talking about the different facets of what it means to live healthy. I'm encouraged by this show, and I hope you are, too. Dr. Tyler Black is a child and adolescent psychiatrist and a, a clinical associate professor at UBC. His primary research is in the area of the emergency mental health of children, epidemiology and suicidology. Uh, Dr. Black making his Real Talk debut this morning. Thanks for making time for us and a good morning to you, doctor. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, this, uh, this tweet from you, it was a few months back, but it caught my eye. And you said basically COVID's bad. You said school is good. And school in the time of a pandemic is good and bad. Let's get into this. It's so relevant to so many people right now. Yeah, you know, it, it was one of those things that was really frustrating me. You know, I, I, I work in an emergency department. I see kids every day in crisis. Um, and I, I talk to kids every day. And so this kind of simplistic notion of we need to get kids back to our school in, uh, in order for their mental health to, to sort of return was kind of strange to me because prior to the pandemic, um, we would have lots of issues with schools and mental health. Um, and, and so I, I felt like there was like a, a disconnect between what was being said. You know, there's a nuance. Um, school is also stressful for kids. School is also something that we see associated with emergency presentations for mental health and death by suicide. So, so to say, you know, you know, this adding the nuance was really the goal of that tweet series. I mean, I put it out in August of 2020 and it's, it's going viral every kind of week. Yeah. Uh, it kind of makes around. Sometimes it's in German, sometimes it's in Dutch, but you know, there's a, a real polarization of this story where it's um, mental health uh, of kids equals school. And that's not always the case. Okay. So uh, a lot of people are going to rely on your expertise because, you know, this isn't sort of our area of study. We know what we uh, believe to be good for our kids. And, and in many circumstances, when they're old enough to be able to, they can tell us what's important to them or what's good for them. Uh, but how do you approach this as a, as a mental health expert, as a child and adolescent psychiatrist? Well, I'm often in the position when a kid comes in in some sort of distress, usually one of my first prescriptions I give, and this is, you know, I'm a psychiatrist, I have lots of medications available and lots of things available. One of the first things I prescribe is time off school. Um, we know that, that, that kids can become very overwhelmed with school. Uh, school is a source of social stress and academic stress. It can be what parents and kids have conflict over, uh, teachers, um, uh, conflict, um, attendance, uh, everything from bullying to, you know, um, racial exclusion and, and systemic discrimination against uh, kids who are non-normative. And, and this, is, um, this is what it was like pre-pandemic. So, so when I look at the pandemic, I look at this amazingly stressful event in which 1.5 million kids across the world have lost a primary caregiver, either a grandparent or a parent, who has been caregiving and and this is going to be a huge mental health harm too and a major stress and so we're adding you know sometimes when we're making a decision to go back to school for some kids it's adding stress on stress 
And that's not necessarily a good thing. And, and that doesn't mean that there aren't some kids that have really suffered um, being home and need to get back to school because that's kind of where their, their, their um, best mental health is, is when they're at school and achieving at school. But there's another set of kids who find it really hard. And so a one size fit all approach is probably a mistake. OK, so how do we recognize uh, when it is stress upon stress and what's the best way to manage it? Mm-hmm. Well, I, 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 and this is going to sound very simplistic and sorry to all the teachers out there, but I always say to kids, school isn't that important. You know, um, school is important. And, and I've done 26 years of it myself. I love it. I'm a geek um, and I love learning. But in the moment when your mental health is falling apart, school is not that important. And we all know this in our lives. We have all taken days off work because we haven't felt up to going into work. We haven't felt like we have the ability to go into work. And, and unfortunately, kids have to do things like fake illnesses to do that. But in fact, that's part of life. That's reality. Sometimes we need to take time off. Um, so one of the things I look to recognize are kids that are um, not themselves. You know, a parent will understand who their child is. They kind of get what they're like. Are they an inside kid or an outside kid, an externalizing kid or an internalizing kid? Whenever there's a significant change in a kid's personality, it's a really good opportunity to open up a conversation with them and say, hey, what's going on for you? Is there anything you can, you know, anything I can do to be helpful? Um, and, and one of the other bellwethers um, that we, we think of for kids who are struggling with be um, uh, lack of sleep or, or having problems sleeping um, more than usual, problems eating more than usual. And the really concerning one, which I see a lot, is kids who are bored at home. You know, you're supposed to be able to have fun. Um, you know, idle time is supposed to be fun time for kids. And whenever there's kids who are complaining of a lot of boredom, uh, usually there's a lot of anxiety or depression underneath. That's an interesting uh, thing for parents to know, for for parents to be keeping an eye on. Uh, We've got great engagement on our live chat right now as we talk to uh, Dr. Tyler Black. Uh, Tracy says, you know, there are plenty of kids in school right now who are stressed out being there because they know they're at risk. And it's not a given that being in school is the best place for kids all the time. Uh, Jerry's listening to you. She says 100 percent. Yes, COVID didn't affect my kids mental health. They were already stressed from school. She says, I have kids with social anxiety that go to school with other other, you know, 900 other kids there as well. They'd rather be there at home. But Scarlett's making a great point, says, you know, some kids also, though, have a tumultuous home life. Right. And and for a lot of kids, school can be the escape from that. Um, Doctor, we had a a conversation with Trisha Estabrooks just before you. Uh, She's the chair of Edmonton's public school board. She's a former journalist. I asked her to give me a question to ask you. She asked what we should be telling our kids right now, which I thought was a great question. It may depend on age group, but how would you answer it? I I think kids need to know that they are more important and their their livelihood and their happiness and their well-being is more important than all this other stuff. Um, And so if school is particularly hard, um, my hope would be that parents and schools would find a way to make that school easier. Prior to the pandemic, I would advocate for kids to be able to do online learning or some kind of alternative learning if school was too hard for them. So during the pandemic, it's okay to take days off. It's okay to not go in. Um, for and, and more importantly, you may be protecting people who don't have the ability to make that decision. There's a group of, of parents and kids who, who um, because of their work situation or what they need to do in life, um, they have to go to school. And so if you make the, the choice whether or not to go to school, what works for you, you're going to be freeing up space 
for kids who are going and making it more safe for them. Um, so, you know, I, I do think we do need to listen to kids quite a bit. Uh, I talk to them all the time. I'm still talking to them every day. And they tell me that school right now, you know, I'm in BC where schools are open. School is stressful. It's more stressful than it used to be. Uh, there's, there's kids going in and out with illness. There's teachers going in and out with illness. There's kids who've had to deal with their parents or grandparents um, getting very sick or, or in rare cases dying. Um, and these are major, these are major stressors. So I just hope everybody takes a pause and recognizes that, you know, yes, academics matter, but maybe school should be a little bit more about just connection and getting together and sports and activities and things that are safer to do. Um, and, and the learning portion can be de-emphasized just a little bit. Are you concerned about the long-term impact of this two to three year period on young people? And, and if so, how much time would need to pass before you think you could adequately assess whether or not it's had a long-term impact on, on an individual? It's a, it's a great question because we're always looking backwards at our numbers, you know, like what did suicide rates do in 2020 yeah. or 2021 or, or, or how did hospital admissions go or referrals to mental health clinics? Um, kids are, are reactive. So I, I suspect that we, we, you know, there's lots of talk about things being delayed. And to me, that's just a sort of um, uh, an expert's way of saying we, we don't know. And so I'll just be, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll be frank, you know, we don't know. Um, but um, uh, I don't think delay is as much of the issue, but longevity is. And one of the reasons that I've been a little bit more on side of school closures when necessary is because I believe that ending the pandemic and making it so that the pandemic is no longer a major driving force of death and illness in our lives is probably the best way to help our, our um, kids' mental health, uh, because this is dragging on. You know, we're getting into year two of the, you know, the, near the end of year two of this pandemic. Um, and, and, you know, each subsequent wave, be, you know, becomes a new issue that kids and families have to deal with. So, um, you, you know, in my mind, you know, when we're clear of the pandemic, we'll probably have to see what the fallout looks like. I've seen a tremendous amount of resilience in kids. Uh, and this isn't to say that they can just and should tolerate a bunch of stress, but kids get the score. Every time I talk to them, they understand, you know, I'm wearing this mask to protect my friends and my family. I'm, you know, I really important that people get vaccinated. You know, I, I talk to kids all the time and, and they kind of get the deal. Um, they do get to see their parents fighting a lot though. Hmm. Fighting a lot. Is that what you just said? Well, I think, there's so many different um, adult perspectives on 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 what we should be doing during the COVID sort of pandemic um, that the kids are watching this conflict and they're really um, if you're listening to them they're really saying school is stressful right now I can handle it let me do alternative ways um, there was a group of kids on Toronto News yesterday um, three high school students and all three of them were saying I'd, I'd love a virtual option please because there's times where I don't feel like it's safe enough to go in and and you know a bunch of my classmates get sick and I'd rather be home um, so you know kids kind of get the score and I think that sometimes parents do a lot of speaking for them on behalf of them uh, but um, I've rarely heard many kids that are super super keen on returning to in-person learning um, uh, you know a lot of kids um enjoy snow days and days off school and summer holidays and there's entire songs written about them and stuff. So um, it, it's kind of like a cultural knowledge 
that school is a bit of a stress. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you're dropping big bombshells on a lot of people right now, but it's an interesting <laughs> and informed perspective I appreciate. And a lot of people are, are sharing their own personal experiences, including what their parents did for them and what they're doing for their kids now, which is really great. You're, you're kickstarting a conversation, um, which we were hoping you would and confident you were, Dr. Black. Thanks for giving us your time on what I know is a busy morning out there on the West Coast. Uh, we appreciate your perspective. Thank you so much for having me. You got it. That's a child and adolescent psychiatrist, Dr. Tyler Black. I encourage you to follow him on Twitter at Tyler Black 32. He's got that thread pinned uh, right at the top of his profile, even though it's you know from quite some time ago. You can read through the exact argument that he makes. It was good. It was an insightful one. It's I, I came across it. Someone shared it with me. Uh, and uh, and that's why he's here. Tracy D on the chat says kids need consistency, stability. And when they're not getting that in school, you know, when they don't know who's going to be there or which teachers will be gone or who will be replaced and what they'll be doing, it can be stressful. Penny says that she used to offer her kids a mental health day once in a while so they could stay home and not be sick. Imagine that. Genevieve says being away from school was actually better for my kids. School is a bigger trigger for mental health for many kids than anybody wants to talk about. Trisha MC says bullies damaged my mental health at school. I, I would have been way better off being homeschooled hmm gina says school can cause more stress at the best of times yeah i mean like a, a whole bunch of these chad says bullying completely shaped my childhood he says and i'm totally conscious of it today boredom led to anxiety for me it still does i'm always looking for that next project kimberly shares a, a sad story says that her 11-year-old, I just lost it. It just refreshed. Here it is. Kimberly says, my 11-year-old nephew lost his mom in August of 2020, and school's been the biggest stress for him. And getting so much pressure from school to be there adds to his issues at just 11 years old, Kimberly. Our thoughts are with him. Dwayne wonders, what are the long-term costs of this stress on kids? Like in human terms, right? Craig says, sometimes kids just need to run around in the yard and have a snowball fight for 45 minutes to burn it off. And, and then they can work and they can focus better. And it doesn't always have to do with anything like ADHD or anything else. Sometimes they're just eight years old. Meantime, James. James kind of bringing the uh, back in my day, we walked to school in the snow uphill both ways. James says Gen X lived with the threat of nuclear war every day of our lives. Almost every one of us had a classmate die of cancer. This generation will survive. We did. I hope not every one of us had a classmate die of cancer in elementary. Some of us have tragically lost. That's that's sad, James. If that was your experience, I'm sorry to hear it. I do remember being in elementary school way back in the day and having the air raid sirens blow and we would meet outside at the muster points. It seemed like kind of an old school exercise and they would fire up this air raid siren. Um, if, if you're listening from Calgary, I'm, I'm talking about uh, um, what was the name of that school? Not Milton Williams. My buddy ended up burning it down, actually. Uh, yeah, my buddy got expelled for it's not funny. He wouldn't like me laughing about it. he got expelled from school. They started they started lighting paintbrushes on fire in the in the industrial arts storage room, which, which was like textbooks, sawdust, paper. It was basically everything flammable, everything flammable. Yeah. <laughs> And they were lighting paintbrushes. They're in grade six. So, like, don't ask, like, what were you thinking? Because the answer would be they weren't. 
Um, pretty sure by grade six, I knew not to play with matches. Yeah, I'm trying to remember the name of the building. It was like <laughs> my school was Glenmore Christian Academy, but the building, it was a Calgary public building that we were leasing. It was right. It was like uh, just in um, right by Central Memorial High School, by my favorite ice cream shop. The Calgarians will know this uh, just off Crow Child Trail. And uh, yeah, they were lighting paintbrushes on fire and throwing them into boxes of textbooks. And then, as you can imagine, the one box caught and then it got big really quick and then they couldn't do anything about it. And then the next thing you knew, it was like full inferno paper coated with flammable paint. And it kind of sucked. I mean, it sucked for everybody. It especially sucked for the for the the one family, uh, because the young man who's now an upstanding and wonderful contributing member of society, um, you know, the, the juvenile delinquency doesn't always lead to adult, you know, problems. This guy, I think it was a real wake up call for him. But his dad was was an, a senior administrator. Can you tell I'm sort of doing my best to keep it somewhat anonymous? His dad was a senior administrator at the school and his dad was let go the next year, too. So it was kind of a tough one for that family. Regardless, not the point. When I think of that school, I think of two things, three things. I think you're getting the strap. We, were, we would get the strap. There was like physical punishment, this big leather strap that they would whip your hand, the palms of your hands with. It was horrific. Uh, it was old school. I feel like we grew up when I think of looking back to that. Can you imagine finding out your kid was getting strapped these days? I'd show up to the school with it. I don't know. I don't even want to finish the sentence. Um, I think of getting strapped. I think of the fire the day the fire happened. And I think of the, the air raid siren because it was such an old school standout it was literally like a huge metal pole like imagine a flagpole but like three times as thick in diameter and it ran way up and it was i don't know what it was was it from the cold war era maybe world i don't know what but like you wouldn't see i mean to state the obvious you wouldn't see that on a school ground these days it was wild yeah i'm trying to process this because like by the time i was in school i'm about 10 years younger than you and like i remember doing like active shooter shelter in place drills that was See, kind that's of the scariest the thing in our we age. Had. Yeah. Because I never had that, and that's the difference. Yeah, but I don't at all ever remember. Like, I've seen air raid sirens. There's, like, there's still some of them peppered around, and there's still some Cold War bunkers that exist and are defunct, and, like, it's just vestiges of a time past. But, like, I, I have never in my life heard an air raid siren go off. They're one of these things where, um, Hoyles, have you heard? Do you know what I'm talking about? Did you, like, did you ever have, like, an air raid siren, any sort of drill like that in class? Or for that matter, did you ever have an active shooter drill when you were in class? I had neither. Neither. I, yeah. yeah. Fire drills. Fire drills. Course. Yeah. So yeah. we would, you know, roll out into the school field and have the muster points. But other than that, no, no air raids and no active shooters. The I'm, air raids. Right, I'm wedged. I'm wedged between you two. You are. You're right in that sweet spot. You're. You're not. You're not the young pop like Brooksy, and you're. And you're not. You're not the aged grizzled vet like me. Um, I was waiting to see what you said. I'm not the young pup, but yeah, yeah, I'm not the old ass <laughs> host. Um, but the air, the air raid sirens are really weird because it, well, it's not weird, but it's like it's one of those ones that it would seem like they're winding it up, like it's like. It just goes like that at like this major amplification that like the whole neighborhood would be like, what the hell is going on? I mean, I I've probably seen it in old timey movies. Yeah, exactly. You've seen it in movies <laughs> that are like black and white where people are like smoking in airplanes. <laughs> That's when you've seen it. Yeah. Like I said, when I was in elementary school, yeah, teachers just smoking in class. Not really. Maria says, I must be in between Jespo and Sam in age. <laughs> the worst we ever had was fire drills. Alyssa says, I'm the same age as Ryan. We never had the strap. Uh, She said, this was small town, Alberta. My parents would have torched anybody who touched me. That's wild. 
Uh, Rose says, I was a good student, but I didn't escape getting the strap twice. I bawled my head off. Yeah, you know what? When I, I, I think you're getting one of the things I got the strap for, one of the things I, I, I quoted, a, I quoted an insult that was said uh, in E.T., uh, which was uh, which was the language that was too spicy for my school. And so I was hauled into the office and uh, and it was all in defense of my sister, my younger sister, who had been hit in the face with a snowball by someone. And I jumped to her defense and uh, I would not apologize for it to this day at 44 years of age. I'll take my licking if it means that I can s- jump to my sister's defense and I would do it again. But yeah, wild things happened at schools, didn't it? Allison says when I was in school, we did have active shooter drills after Columbine. Jen says my son's school does lockdown practice a lot. It's heartbreaking, isn't it? At the same time, I'm glad that they're doing it. You know, when he says I've been in schools right now for these shooter drills and it's terrifying. I can't even imagine I can't imagine coming up in just a second. I'm so looking forward to checking in with Canadian fitness icons. Hal Johnson, Joanne McLeod are going to be joining us. How cool is this? And uh, in the meantime, before we get to them in the quick second, before we do, I want to remind you, I know a lot of people are getting the heck out of wherever you're living right now because it's freezing and you're sick and tired of it and you're going to head somewhere hot. If you are, I want to encourage you to keep as much money as possible in your pocket and to book your parking today with Jet Set Parking. That's right. If you're flying out of Edmonton's International Airport, your best move by a mile is to book ahead of time online with JetSet using the promo code REALTALK. If you do so, uh, for parking all the way through till the end of the year, till the end of 2022, you'll be able to park for $7 a day. $7 a day parking at Edmonton's International Airport using the promo code REALTALK at JetSetParking.com. I'm so excited to be telling you and you're going to be hearing it ad nauseum. I know you're going to be rolling your eyes at how much I'm going to be talking about this Dodge Ram 1500 Longhorn that I'm driving right now. I've never never driven a truck like this. Sam, I am never giving it back. I've never driven a truck like this. Like I'm not. It feels like I'm, I'm, I'm driving it. I'm going, this is way too nice for me. I'm going to be showing you pictures and showing it off and driving you nuts. All, all I have to say right now is that it's from Sherwood Dodge. And the only reason, the only reason they're letting me drive it is because they finally have inventory back. It's been a tough couple of years for dealerships. The inventory is better than it's been in two years at Sherwood and St. Albert Dodge right now. You can shop them online uh, via the sponsors link on our website, ryanjesperson.com, or of course, go see them safely in person. And we want to remind you that we are very proud at Real Talk to be partnering with the team at Kendall Jackson Wines, easily one of the most recognizable wine brands in the entire world. You can visit their winery online today at kj.com. It's a stunning location, and you can learn more about their company's commitment to sustainability i mean the way that the wine tastes i mean that speaks for itself it is a phenomenal selection and i've got my own personal favorites including their jackson estate cabernet sauvignon but it's their sustainability practices that i love to share with you you know they use a third less water than industry standard through their entire process that's remarkable plus they leave a lot of their land out to furlough it's a neat study you can check it out online as mentioned at kj.com make sure that you ask for kendall jackson wines wherever you buy fine wine sam shall we properly tee this up and remind everybody exactly what we're about to be talking about body break 
Skiing here in Jasper is fantastic, but wherever you're skiing, you've got to eat the right foods since it has a definite effect on how long and how well you perform. So keep a steady supply of positive energy calories in a fanny pack. Things like raisins, apples, and carrots are excellent choices. So until next time, keep fit and have fun. Body break. Yeah, that's Hal Johnson and Joanne McLeod, absolute legends across the country, as if they even need an introduction. We'll give them one anyway, making their Real Talk debut. A good morning to the two of you with smiles smeared across your faces. Do you ever have a bad day? You don't have a bad day, do you? (laughs) (laughs) We were laughing about that Hal still has that jacket. (laughs) I do? (laughs) It's <laughs> like 20 something years ago. I do the same thing. I, I, I keep all the clothes, especially ones that have sentimental attachments to me. That would that was back. I mean, there, there was like this this era where body break. I mean, established itself as a Canadian institution. You should see. I mean, you probably saw some of it online when we mentioned you were joining us. People were still like, what? I mean, the, the two of you have accomplished <laughs> you. You've, you've seared yourself into the fabric of this country. Canadians love you. Uh, Joanne, when did you know that that was happening? <laughs> when? Just now. Just, just, now. We just found out. Yeah, right. You, you know, guys have you, have you paid for a meal in 30 years? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> but it happens when we least expect it. You know, I, I I was at cross country skiing and someone saw my name on the the list of uh, you know uh, uh, participants and it was like, "Oh wow, Glam Club kind of thing." And so it's like cuz we go through our life as just like we're just like everyone else. Yep. I mean, not really. Uh, we, uh, we not really. I mean, you are. You, you, but you know what? One of the things I love, and and um, and we'll, we'll try to tap into exactly what. It, and I know that our audience is going to be going. Uh, you know, just absolutely ecstatic through this, and they'll be sharing their own stories. And I have a hilarious email to read you about a guy that wrote in when he heard that you were on. But but what I love is that this thing started. Kind of, kind of how we started real talk here, which is like bootstraps, grassroots, independent. The two of you, you, you dug into your own pockets to fund your pilot, right? I mean, like this, you started this thing yourself. You didn't have a big boatload of cash from some investor. No, we didn't have to dig very deep either because there, there wasn't much <laughs> wasn't in the pockets. Yeah. <laughs> I think we borrowed it. <laughs> yeah, it, it was. Um, yeah, it, you know, back in 1988, we had you know very very little experience, um, but we knew it would work. I mean, that was just just the idea that, you know, it's going to work uh, and you've got this idea. Um, what's the worst thing that can happen? And I think uh, that's what we you know, try to impart to everybody, uh, not only the fitness end of things, but just so we, what we recently did was we talked to over 50 uh, schools across the country last week uh, through virtual calls because a lot of the schools were locked down. So we put out a thing on Twitter and we we're talking to the kids and the teachers about uh, not only doing your body break, your physical, but also, um, you know, having that that you can do attitude, whatever it is um, in your in your life that you want to do, you can do it. And that was really kind of our uh, our philosophy that, um, you know, there's always a way. Hmm. We've uh, we've had this wonderful thread kind of running through the show today. We talked to, a, you know, the, the the chairperson of a public school board here in Edmonton. We talked to a child psychiatrist. Now the two of you. And we love that you are making yourselves available to all of these classrooms, to all of these young learners over the last while. Uh, Joanne, how is how has the message evolved over the years? And I mean, specifically in the context of, of a pandemic, how kind of laid it out. Uh, but but how have you seen fitness messaging or health messaging evolve from what you may have said to a a group of young kids in 1988 to what you say to them in 2022? 
Well, I think a lot of it centers around home fitness. What can you do from your home? What can you do with your family is even more important. You know, the fact that we're we're sitting a lot, whether you're on your computer or watching TV, you know, we have to get up and move. So how do you do that? And trying to encourage the kids to, you know, even do uh, some jumping jacks or some squats during their day, the day and get their parents involved or going out for their walk, trying to create a routine every day to move. And I think that's what's really great about, you know, like the um, the fitness watches and things like that. It tells you whether or not you've moved. Yeah. And I think one of the things from an evolution perspective, back in, um, back in 88, and through the 90s, we always thought that, you know, it was physical activity and, and, and fitness and, and eating properly. But now it, we, we think of it as uh, you can't outrun a bad diet. That um, diet, what you eat, has a tremendous impact um, on your overall health and even more so than physical activity and from a health perspective. So you are what you eat is really our philosophy. So if, if you only have $100 to spend on a fitness trainer or a dietitian to learn something, I would spend it on the dietitian. Um, that was kind of the, the most important thing you can And I at. think what we, we've also seen is that it, it, before, we never really spoke about sort of attitude or, or mental health. That was like given by just being active or eating healthy. Because you know when you, you have a high-fat uh, um, uh, meal, you're just sluggish and you don't feel like doing anything. So we found that the mental health aspect, that's just more in the forefront. And, you know, we've always just tried to encourage, you know, a, a positive attitude. And how do you do that? You know, and I think that's what we've seen the most. Uh, yeah. And and also, you know, we when we started Body Break, part of it was to be inclusive to, mm-hmm. with people, with persons with disabilities, with um, uh, different races. And, and all of our Body Break episodes you kind of will see it kind of subtly as we've as we do through, go through uh, all of our over 300 episodes, but it that wasn't it wasn't by accident. So our philosophy was always to show be inclusive, which is interesting. It's almost like like the country is caught up to where we were back in '88, and uh, I wanted to show that the people who looked like me, because uh, I never saw myself on television who looked like me was would be on TV. So part of it was fitness and health, um, a big part of it, but also a part of it was to be inclusive of everyone. And uh, uh, we had a lot of people with uh, persons with disabilities on our, on our show. Um, and we'd call casting agencies and say, okay, I need a, um, a, a blind person who is um, uh, you know, uh, Asian descent. Mm. Um, so we would look at to try to fill um, you know, as, as many spots as we could, uh, it was you know, very, very important to us. I remember it like it was on my radar as a young person. It was on my radar that there were people that were using wheelchairs, that there was representation uh, in your spots. Uh, what I did not know how I'm embarrassed to say, as a matter of fact, I feel like I'm confessing this to you. I didn't know that you got screwed over. And I don't know how much you want to talk about this, uh, but you got screwed over. And I'll just say by TSN early in your career, are you willing to talk to us about that? Uh, yeah, it wasn't, it's not, um, you shouldn't be embarrassed that you don't know because I really didn't talk about it much because um, it's like you, you're dwelling on a, a negative, number one, and nothing you can do about it. And so 
Um, I know that last year when, um, uh, when the murder of George Floyd, I felt this compulsion to kind of talk about it a little bit. And, and really, and I put out a video on our YouTube channel to really uh, do that. And I was literally astonished by the response from people. Um, and I think it was because we've, we've been coming into people's homes for over 30 years and they think of us as part of the family. And so it's almost like somebody's done something to, to our family member and there, there, there was amazing support. But when, when TSN um, hired me and fired me in the same day and they told me it is because I, they didn't want to have two black uh, reporters, uh, they thought it was too much, that um, I think what I what I impart on the, the kids when I talk to them is that really, you know, I, I never got mad. Um, I've never been angry about it. It was like, OK, that's a hurdle. How do we how do we um, move around it? And that's kind of, uh, you know, kind of the evolution of body. Rate. Well, how we move around it, we create our own show. We do our own thing. And we were the, you know, Joanne. Joanne and I are partners and Joanne writes the scripts and I direct the shows and we've been partners in this for, you know, 34 years. So um, that's a way to, to, to get around things and obstacles are, are going to face all of us. And that's what, you know, talk to kids about is that when you see an obstacle, when you see something that's going to perhaps, uh, you know, you think is devastating, use that as your, uh, it's almost like Taekwondo or, or martial arts. Use their force and leverage to defeat them. And that's kind of how I looked at it. And then I went home from that meeting and really thought, who would, who would think that me being black and Joanne being white is a positive as opposed to a negative? It's, I, I just can't even wrap my mind around the perspective that you had and have. Uh, that it's just such a gross injustice uh, but it's really remarkable what you built. I, I want our audience to see at least a portion of this. They can go to your YouTube channel. Uh, we're talking obviously to Joanne McLeod and Hal Johnson. This is a portion of Hal's uh, unscripted video, How We Battled Racism. My dad had always, always told me, never get mad at something because when you get mad, you can't find a solution to it. So that afternoon after, after lunch, I took a piece of paper and I just wrote out kind of a storyboard and I thought, how can I, how can I change things? How can I make that we can all live, work and play together and there won't be um, this attitude that, that white and black and Asian and persons with disabilities and male, female, we all can't be together. Remarkable perspective. Uh, do you see advancements? I mean, like Joanne, we can talk as well about representation of women in in broadcasting in particular. I mean, when I think of you two, I think of fitness, I think of sports, but but we could broaden the conversation beyond that. But have the two of you, uh, Joanne, noted? I mean, have you seen advancements made? Why would you how would you assess this, the state of representation in media these days? Oh, definitely. There, there's an increase in representation. You know, I think back on when we started, I know one thing that motivated me with Body Break was the importance of having equal roles. You know, often you would see the male, uh, there was a particular show, Body by Jake, that was on CNN at the time that we were creating Body Break. And he was this big muscle guy. And he was he had the sidekick of a, a blonde, very thin, and she would do what he says. Well, not that I don't do it sometimes, but she I, mean, she she <laughs> I wanted to make sure that our roles were very equal and that in our show, we, we included a lot of women. But overall, you definitely see that women have come along. 
long way. However, just like, you know, people of, of color have, have seen change, but they're, there is it's a long battle and it's uh, you know you're trying to change people's attitudes you know it's even like the vancouver canucks right now are uh, are thinking um, about putting somebody in there uh, a female in there uh, and more diversity in their in their head office uh, the gm levels or a higher level it'd be great when when women and minorities could break the ceiling in in what our national sport is in, in canada hockey um, you know, to get in there. Uh, you know, they've done it in the NFL. And now, um, you know, with uh, with the first, uh, actually, you know, Canadian woman who was with the uh, Montreal Alouettes, and now she's uh, she's down with an NFL team. Um, and so it's it's great. It's great to see that. And I, I think, you know, I think when I grew up, when I look at sportscasters, especially, they're all white men, all, all older white guys. Um, you know, Johnny Esau to... Um, you know, all of the, the, the people um, and, and there was nobody who looked like me. Mm. And now we start to see that. And if you when you can see something, especially as kids, and this is what's so important, is when you can see something, you can you can believe that that could be you. And if you can believe that can be you and really believe it, you can achieve it. And so that's really what's so important about about television and broadcasting in general, when people can see themselves um, and they can they can then start to imagine they could be in that position. And so I think that's what's so vital and so important um, about about representation uh, for the for the young people. And and, we're, you know, I'm thinking about um, doing some more things with schools like we did with the uh, with the, the body breaks that Joanne and I did with the entire schools and talking to them about um, about inclusivity, about racism, how to battle it, how to deal with it, and how not to get angry. Mm. And I think that's the, the biggest thing is that in our culture today, there's so much outrage. Everyone's outraged at everything, you know, and it's like, well, let's, let's step back, let's solve the problem, and then move on. And so that that's kind of how I... Because you you never accomplish anything by being mad. You're so you're you're pragmatic about it and very reasonable and it all makes sense. But it's easier said than done. Not everybody's wired that way. And I think that's why it's such a great reminder. I want to thank the two of you for rescheduling with us. COVID, frankly, hit our team. And uh, and we were intending to have you on right after New Year's. Like we were ha- we were going to have you on right at the beginning of January because we wanted to talk to you about New Year's resolutions. And I know it seems to me, um, if I'm picking up on this correctly, that most people kind of roll their eyes now at the idea of a New Year's resolution. Do either of you make one? And if so, how do you approach the process? I think for me, every uh, January and actually periodically throughout the year, I uh, set goals and uh, short and long. Uh, There hasn't been a lot of long term ones in the last (laughs) couple of years, but a lot of short term goals. And um, it just uh, allows you to challenge yourself, because if you don't challenge yourself, especially your your body and in turn your mind, um, you become really stagnant. And uh, it's important right now with all everything going on that uh, you be physically and mentally healthy. Yeah, I, I don't really say call it believe in the, um, you know, the New Year's resolution type of idea. Um, I really think, uh, you know, just, you know, you should, as Joanne says, the short term, long term goals. But, you know, when New Year's rolls around, I go, OK, what do I, I want to be healthier this year than I was last year. That's all my 
goal is. And, uh, and I want to have more fun this year than I had last year. So that's kind of my, my it's the keep fit and have fun part of what we, uh, what we talk about. So it's, uh, that's and that's the, our lake, right? Or our stadium. No, it's not rink. our lake. It's not yeah, our, it's lake. Not yeah. our <laughs> lake. Where are you right now? That's people our been, skating rink out there. We, yeah. We've had some people speculating in our live chat where you are. Are you at Muskoka area right now or? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and Joanne was out there with the uh, snowblower blowing the lake, <laughs> making our, making our skating rink and uh we were we've been i that's funny it's like i I make a rink each year it's huge and i skate on a little bit and i do it because it's kind of for my mental health it it feels really good being out there at you know one in the morning you know (laughs) freezing the rink (laughs) look at this we we just wanted to prove to everybody that the two of you have wheels hey sam let's bring the sound up let's listen Well, besides having fun, it's also a good aerobic activity for your heart and lungs. However, if you don't enjoy it, you won't stick with it. So take some time and think about what activities you like to do. That's what will help keep you motivated for a lifetime. Until next time, keep fit and have fun. Yeah, body look break. at those wheels. That's body break. Uh, <laughs> Joanne McLeod. But the two, I mean, like, it's actually the two of you. I mean, it's it's uh, your, your history is remarkable, obviously athletic. Um, I don't know how many people know how you were an all-star first baseman, represented Canada at the World Baseball Championship. Uh, Joanne, you time a four-time national, seven-time provincial hurdle champion, uh, representing Canada, including the World, Cl- World Cup, the 1978 Commonwealth Games. I mean, really accomplished athletes. It's incredible stuff. Um, this is a compliment uh somebody on the live chat said boy have they ever aged well which is and, and then we and then we've got questions here like from deborah who says deborah says my question is how do you get motivated as you age if you've never really hardcore been into fitness what would you say to people like deborah uh, it uh it, it doesn't matter when you start uh today is the first day uh, of your the rest of your life in terms of yeah, getting fit and getting active. So um, don't think of what you haven't done in the past or what you have done in the past. Think about today. And, and take small steps. The, the biggest thing that uh, you can do for yourself is getting out for a walk and just plan for 15 minutes. And then you may end up doing a half hour, explore your neighborhood, go out on the uh, hiking trails, snowshoe, you know, think Think like you did when you were a kid. You want to go out and play. And uh, the first step is going to be the hardest. But once you get out there and uh, you just feel good afterwards, and that's what you'll remember. Yeah, and that uh, that particular body break that you showed, um, those two, we, we, did those, we did that one in Jasper. Uh, and we did that 30, almost 30 years ago. Um, yeah. It was uh, 30 years ago that... Um, that particular shot that we did. And so, and I still like to skate. I was going to, I was going to ask if you still have the, I was going to ask if you still have that crossover, like, looks like you're, you're, you're a good transition (laughs) D man right there, Hal. Well, we and even with the knee replacement. Yeah. I did a knee replacement last, last year. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I was, I was showing, uh, I was showing Connor when we did a, we did a commercial with Connor McDavid in uh, in August. Uh, for for go auto and uh i was showing him some techniques i don't know if he really t- 
took to it uh, that much, but uh, you know, I was just he's had a good season. <laughs> he's he's the got Oilers like, haven't, but <laughs> yeah, he, the Oilers haven't so much. Um, you know, you you may have noticed everybody's a little pissy around Edmonton these days. Uh, but 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 maybe you maybe you can take some credit for Connor's skating this season. Unbelievable. D on our live chat. D says these two had such an impact on me growing up. Today, I'm very active, and I would like to think that Hal and Joanne played an important part in that. Uh, that's obviously a huge compliment. Let me read you this from Andrew. Uh, Andrew wrote in to say, I wanted to tell a short story about Hal and Joanne and how they may have saved my life. He says, many moons ago when we used to name our fists, um, I was about to be humbled by someone far bigger than I. And I decided to try to diffuse a heated situation. Like you say, Hal, don't get mad. Uh, Andrew says, I decided to diffuse a heated situation with some brevity. Uh, and so I went up to the much bigger man and I said, shaking my left fist, are you sure you want a piece of Hal Johnson? And then shaking my right fist and Joanne McLeod. And he says, <laughs> and it immediately stopped this guy in his tracks. And he started laughing and asked me, did you really name your fists after body break? Um, to which I nodded. The situation was immediately diffused. We proceeded to go back inside. Uh, he says, I wanted to tell Hal and Joanne, thank you. I I still have yet to come across better fist names. And he says, and on a side note, uh, please let Hal and Joanne know that they are always uh, a likeness of them is always proudly on display at the Canada Day party at the Canadian consulate in New York City, where I work. They are. Have you heard about this? He says they're Canadian icons. Yes. Yeah. People send us uh, from that uh, from that restaurant uh, every year. uh, every July 1st, uh, we're, we're up there. With, and I, we said, uh, I said two years ago, well, you know, one year we're going to get down there. I hope to get down there on July 1st. It's kind of funny. Amazing. Uh, if people want to follow what you're doing right now, obviously you do have a YouTube channel. People can check out what you're doing. Where else would you like uh, people to go find you? I mean, people are asking, do you have an online shop? Can they buy hoodies? People want to connect with you. What can they do? <laughs> well, um, yeah, just go to uh, bodybreak.com and uh, we have, uh, so we have things there, but we're, we've got you know, the hats that we'll be putting up there. Um, this actually is up here in Canada was a hoodie that was sent to us from a gentleman who did a video last year up here in Canada video. And he actually sent that, uh, that uh, to us. And it was quite, quite a funny uh, video that he did about all Canadians across the country. And he sent me the hoodie. So I thought it was a great, uh, uh, a good hoodie. And it's, I'm a very proud Canadian. So it's mm-hmm. always nice to wear it. Well, so much fun talking to the two of you. My face hurts from smiling, which is always a good sign. Um, that whole keep fit, have fun thing. It's like the Canadian mantra. It's unbelievable. We might have to get you to say it as, as, as we wrap here. I feel like that would be one of the greatest accomplishments this show has. W- w- would you wrap it up for us, Hal Johnson, Joanne McLeod? Well, until next time, keep fit and have fun. What Lots a, of fun. Lots of, of fun. beauties. Thank you, you two. Love it. Hal Johnson <laughs> and Joanne care. McLeod. Sam, you know that that's like, going to be the greatest sound clip that we have on the show basically canadian royalty at this point basically canadian royalty uh thanks to everybody in advance that uh likes that interview on our uh, youtube and of course uh, you can go ahead and give us our podcast a rating as well leave a comment and share this with whoever you know might benefit from it what a couple of uh just remarkable canadians the attitude right like don't get mad i mean can you imagine having a job offer with a national sports broadcaster that rescinds that offer the same day and tells you to your face it's because they can't have two reporters with your skin color. Can you imagine? 
unbelievable stuff. The team at Eden Landscaping wants us to remind you that this is a perfect time. I know that you're thinking about July and August and what it's going to feel like as you have your campfire roaring in the backyard and you've got your family gathered around in the Adirondack chairs and the pizza ovens going over there in your outdoor kitchen. But that starts now with the planning and the design process. Mike and his team can get your construction materials ordered. There are going to be some delays on some products. Uh, Of course, that's what comes with the experience that the Eden Landscaping team has. They know how much time they're going to need to get that job done. So we encourage you to get in touch with them today. Don't delay at landscapeedmonton.ca. Our friends at Friesen Brothers are very proudly presenting Mike's Meal of the Month this month for the month of January. It's the Alberta Pierogi Pizza topped with thinly sliced Alberta potatoes, cheddar cheese, and just the right amount of cayenne pepper. You can find out more details online at Friesen.com. It's also where you can check out their Toonies for Tummies program, a great initiative for Friesen Brothers, giving back to their community. 16 stores across the province of Alberta. Friesen Brothers is Alberta grown and Alberta owned. It's the same deal. Did you know family-owned, Alberta-based, but operating across the prairies? The team at Local Waste Services has been keeping it local for a quarter century, and they're proud of their referrals, the return business, and the new business that they earn. They want a chance to earn your business. You can get in touch with them today through their Edmonton or Regina offices via localwaste.ca. Get a quote from them. The smaller bins for the at-home renovation projects all the way up to the big construction site bins, those 40-footers, they've got you covered across the prairies. It's local waste services. And don't forget, Trash Talk goes tomorrow right here on the show presented by Local Waste. If you've got something you want to get off your chest, Trash Talk is the venue. Send us an email to talk at ryanjesperson.com. Of course, make sure you label it Trash Talk. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention the deal that waits for you right now. It is just there on a silver platter Dilly bars or DQ ice cream sandwiches. Boxes are buy one, get one free through this month at the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park. That's the Dairy Queens on Baseline Road in Westmount, Newcastle, Nemeo, and Palisades. Uh, you buy one, you get one free. Doesn't get any more simple than that. Just drop my name or the name of the show and they've got you covered. Sam, I know that you and I are frequenting the Westmount Dairy Queen all the time. Hoyles, I didn't ask you the other day when you went, when you, you went, you got you, you got your score blizzard. And it was like minus 28. Did, did you hit up the Westmount store as well? Is that where like basically they're seeing all three of us? Yep. Yeah. And I have to t- I have to say that you inspired me because, oh. you know, about a week previous when it was also minus a gajillion, <laughs> you went and got D- Dairy Queen treats for your whole fam. So I, I was did. like, well. If Jespo can do it. I did. And and you know what? Everybody, and of course, because I posted about it, and everybody reached out to me and said, oh, they said, not, not a bad deal having a pregnant partner in the household. Hey, because anytime that there's even a hint, a hint of a desire for Dairy Queen, somebody else will support the initiative, right? So it might be Carrie that maybe has a bit of a hankering for it, and then Wyatt, our little guy, thinks it's a good idea, or Wyatt maybe has a hankering, and then Carrie is immediately supportive of it. And so, uh, and then for me, it's just, it's, there are business partners I would be negligent if I didn't visit them from time to time. So it's yeah, all working I, out really well. 
for me, it doesn't matter, pregnant or not. I <laughs> hook me up with the Dairy Queen, man. Yeah, yeah, you don't need to be Prago, but if you are, it helps justify it. Um, hey, before we get into, we're going to run through the results of our question of the week, and this is kind of a fun way to wrap the show. Uh, we asked, well, some of it's fun, some of it's a little discouraging, but we asked real talkers to look into the crystal balls for 2022, and we're going to review those results. But first, we wanted to acknowledge a couple of things. We've had a couple of interviews cancel over the past couple of days, and people have written in to ask about them. And so I just wanted to update people. Alicia Dubois was going to be joining us earlier this week. Um, she was the CEO of the Alberta Indigenous uh, Opportunities. Uh, can you remind me, Sarah, specifically what the organization was called? She was there for about four. T- I know you're going to be like, thanks, Ryan, for putting me on the spot there. She was there. Uh, I believe it's the Alberta Indigenous Opportunities Corporation. She was there for you four- got it. Yeah, 14 months, just 14 months as CEO before she tendered her resignation. Um, she's going to come join us on the show and talk about it. Uh, unfortunately, uh, had to reschedule, which is no problem. Uh, people are curious to hear her take on that. And we're looking forward to it. And then Staff Sergeant Michael Elliott, uh, unfortunately, had to send his regrets uh, on short notice this morning uh, leading up to our interview. This guy's the president of the Edmonton Police Association. He's the president of the police union in the city of Edmonton. This is remarkable. Yesterday, uh, Casey Maddu, who's Alberta's, what do you call him right now? He's he's like the suspended. He's 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 the, the premier's asked him to step away from being the justice minister. I don't think he's coming back, uh, but we'll see this after Casey Maddu acknowledged, admitted that he called Edmonton's police chief after uh, receiving a ticket for distracted driving. He says he did not ask for the ticket to be rescinded. Uh, not sure. Now, there's a lot that goes into this, and I, you, I can't adequately describe the issues of this story. Uh, it's making for unlikely bedfellows. Let's at least put it that way. But yesterday, uh, Casey Maddu, the MLA for Edmonton Southwest, says first, listen, due to the timing of this incident, and this is a part of a big Twitter thread, I'm not going to read the whole thing. He says, I wanted to ensure I was not being unlawfully surveilled following the Lethbridge Police Service controversy. That's, of course, is NDP MLA Shannon Phillips, who was surveilled by Lethbridge police officers on multiple occasions. Uh, Maddu says, on my way to legislature on a day I was meeting with media to answer questions about the LPS, the Lethbridge police, that's the day he got his ticket. So Michael Elliott, staff sergeant, president of the Edmonton Police Association, tweets, I personally know the member who issued the ticket. And to make an erroneous assumption he was surveilling you is shameful and preposterous. Says there's a complaint process if you had a legit issue. Calling chief directly is over the line, and you do know better as the minister. He goes on to say the audacity and arrogance is very clear, and you are not deserving to be the minister of justice who is supposed to represent all citizens in a fair and impartial manner. Woo! That is remarkable candor from the president of the police union in Edmonton leveled directly and publicly at the not really but kind of sort of but stepped away but not quite yet rescinded or fired sort of used to be the minister of justice so pretty remarkable stuff that we saw there uh sarah and i'm hoping that the staff sergeant will be able to reschedule with us um to be quite honest i was a little surprised he was doing the interview um i i I sent you screen grabs of that tweet and i said this thing will be deleted like within an hour that was the thing is that you and I were both kind of watching with bated yeah. breath. Is it going to, is it going to stay up? Are they going to actually leave that thing on there? Yeah. So uh, I hope to speak with staff Sergeant Michael Elliott. Uh, personally, we're on great terms and I've known Michael for a long time, staff Sergeant. And, and he's, he's been very, can- that's his thing. I mean, he wears his heart on his sleeve and some of people can't quite pin him down. And I like people like that. Uh, because he's been a guy that's been like, we'll proudly fly the pride flag and he's supportive of all that stuff. And then he'll also be like, um, and the thin blue line flag as well. And people are like, ah, 
And then I'm like, I like it. Michael just, he makes himself available to talk about it. And I appreciate that candid nature. And I hope that he'll be willing to join us in days to come. Let's get into this every single week by way of our website at ryanjesperson.com. Uh, we ask you to participate, uh, to take like literally two minutes and answer our question of the week. And the one heading out of that new year's holiday, out of the holiday break, uh, Sam, let's get into this. Let's tee this up. These highlights are curated by our uh, research and strategy partners at Y station. We asked you to look into your crystal ball. What, what does 2022 look like to you? 82% of respondents, uh, 82% of real talkers believe they have managed to dodge COVID so far, four out of five. I'm a little surprised at that number. You say you believe you have, and I like how the team at Y station phrased that because it's quite likely some people had it and didn't realize we're asymptomatic. Here's another highlight that you told us you predict that in 2022, the top three newsmakers will be COVID-19. I believe it's 19 and we're in 22 now. We're still talking about it. COVID, Jason Kenney, and Vladimir Putin. That's who Real Talkers predict will be the top three newsmakers in 2022. And it was a long list. Let's get to another highlight. Only 12% of you feel that Premier Kenney's upcoming leadership review will result in him resigning his position. I'm with you. I don't think it's going to happen. I think Jason Kenney is going to lead the United Conservative Party into the next provincial election in 2023. Just 12% of you think he's going to resign based on that leadership race. And and I think that that's the 88% of you, I think, are bang on. If you look at the organizing that's happening, if you're looking at how they're stacking boards and CAs, that's the way it's going to go. I think we have one more, Sam. Is that right? One highlight from the top line report. 57% of real talkers believe, maybe with your fingers crossed, I'm with you, believe that COVID-19 will finally enter the endemic stage as opposed to the pandemic stage. Now, some other interesting data to pull from this. And if you support us on Patreon, by the way, you already have this in your inbox. You get the full top line report every single week. It's our way of saying thank you to you. 36% of Real Talkers surveyed think that the Olympic Games will get canceled. About a third of you think that uh, with smaller sporting events being canceled uh, recently and uh, pretty interesting as well. uh, We asked you about under the radar stories. In other words, what's not being talked about as much as you'd like to see. Uh, You see long COVID. I'm with you on that. The opioid crisis. Absolutely. And some international issues. You say stories from around the world, uh, stories that we need to pay more attention to. We've asked you with your own goals. Uh, What are you prioritizing in 2022? The top answers were self-improvement, looking out for others, and keeping your head above water. I don't blame you on that one. You fill in the blanks for us on these, and, and and I love it. Dark Horse answers on who you thought might be the biggest newsmaker of 22. The Queen, Donald Trump, Elon Musk, or a yet-to-be-unknown scientist, a yet-to-be-recognized scientist, let me rephrase, who makes a major COVID breakthrough. We don't really know the names of the heroes that developed these vaccines yet, do we? We don't know, like, the Louis Pasteur, the Marie Curie, or we don't have that that name yet, do we? That's like a household name. Yeah, I I actually wonder if we ever will. Maybe because it's part of such a team effort. Well, it's, I mean, like, you think about this is, is like, the vaccines were developed, like, mRNA technology existed. It was sitting on the shelf, it was waiting for a place to be deployed. And then we had, like, the world scientists trying to sequence the genome of this so they could apply it. So it's like, I don't really know if any one person can take the credit on this one. Yeah, that's a good point. Who wins the Super Bowl, we asked you. The top answer don't care and have no idea 
That is the top answer from Real Talkers. And number two, the Green Bay Packers, of course, led by Aaron Rodgers. And number three, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or, quote, whatever team Tom Brady plays for. So those were your top three picks for the Super Bowl with regards to who you think is going to win the Stanley Cup. Uh, this note from Chris Henderson at Y Station, the top answer was the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, but Chris notes there were also a number of very uncharitable mentions of the Oilers, which would reflect the broad reach of this show. Uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Colorado Avalanche uh, rounding out the top three picks from Real Talkers on who you think is going to win are, this. Are Stanley they uncharitable Cup. answers or are they just pissy? Yeah, well, they might be pissy. Yeah, or they might be perpetually uncharitable when it comes to the Oilers. We asked you, who should we keep our eye on in sports? And you noted Alfonso Davies and Canada's men's soccer team, number one. Number two, Connor McDavid. Number three, Canada's Olympians. And the Dark Horse answers, uh, Canada's tennis professionals, Montreal goaltender Carey Price. And uh, one of you wrote in, nobody. My hot take is that professional sports are a colossal waste of money. Okay. Your Dark Horse answers on who we should keep our eye on or what we should keep our eye on in politics. Disability rights advocates. Indigenous community leaders, Alberta's new mayors, and Alberta's young voters. And the biggest story currently flying under the radar, and Hoyles, I know for you and me, this is one that we're certainly keen uh, to keep an eye on. This is what Real Talkers are saying uh, is something that you know they'd really like to see uh, more fulsome or in-depth coverage of. Inequality in healthcare, uh, mm. lack of clean water in Indigenous communities, the political and economic power of China, the drug poisoning crisis, long COVID, Wet'suwet'en land protectors, the Great Resignation, the erosion of Western democracy in Kazakhstan and Hong Kong. So a pretty good list uh, that I know that we'll be keeping an eye on. So this was a really neat uh, question of the week, and I'm appreciative of everybody that, that took part in it. Uh, do you want to tee up our question of the week? This week is a pretty interesting one. We're asking people about their heroes in sport. Yeah, folks can go over to ryanjesperson.com and fill it out. It's a nice short survey. Your answers are anonymous. So you can have those hot takes and not have to be responsible for them. Yeah, yeah, Ultimately. That, yeah, that's right. Uh, we do ask for a little demographic info at the end, which gives us some insight right. into like where people are chiming in from. And it helps us understand the audience. But you're right. You don't have to sign your name to it. So you just go to ryanjesperson.com. You click on connect and then down to question of the week. This is based basically on like, uh, well, I mentioned Aaron Rodgers and his sort of, uh, you know, uh, I'm inoculated lie. You know, remember, well, yeah, but he told everybody that he was. He told everybody that he was immunized at the beginning of the year. That's what made it even worse, right? Tyler Bertuzzi, who plays for the Detroit Red Wings, has made no bones about it, no secret. He's the only unvaccinated player in the National Hockey League. He's not lying about it. Um, and it's impacting where he can play and when he can play and how much money he's making, quite frankly. Aaron Rodgers lied and told everybody that he was immunized. So there's that. There's Novak Djokovic and uh, being booted from the Australian Open. There's Evander Kane, uh, the troubled National Hockey League star. I mean, he's like a 40-goal guy, 35-goal guy anyway. Uh, but of course, there's a lot of off-field antics there. And we're asking you about athletes and major force in our society and culture. We're fascinated by them on and off the field of play. We want to ask you about athletes who get into legal and moral trouble and see how you react to it. And we're also going to ask you to rank the most notorious athletes of all time. Now, this is going to be particularly interesting because we'll present the results early next week, but we're going to get into it. We're going to take a look at the dashboard, we call it, and see where the question of week is at midway through as part of our Real Talk Roundtable. That's coming up tomorrow. As, as we wrap the show today, I'm really excited to let you know you're not going to want to miss Friday's edition. Uh, we've got what I think is probably uh, one of the more interesting 
interesting trios when it comes to sport commentary in Canada. So be sure you join us tomorrow. That's Friday's Real Talk, where Bruce Arthur and Tara Sloan and Sirat Sohi will join us. It's a Real Talk roundtable per our tradition. We'll talk about pro athletes, morality, and more. Have a great one. Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson. Editorial producer, Sarah Hoyles. Technical producer, Sam Brooks. Managing director, Josh Dunford. Account coordinator, Tanya Franklin. Merchandise operations, Katie Cook-Chivers. Website design, Mike Johnston. Voiceover by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Sapria Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Ann Castleman, Corey Hogan, Julie Rohr, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Salto, and Nakota Sioux, home to Métis Settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is the flagship property of Relay Communications Group Incorporated. All rights reserved. For more, check out ryanjesperson.com.